0: Hi, I'm Joe Feeks, Editor of Pig Health Today, and with me is Dr. Liz Wagstrom. She's the Chief Veterinarian for National Pork Producers Council. Welcome to Pig Health Today.
1: Thanks, Joe. Thanks for coming to Expo.
0: Well, it's great to have you here um, because there's so much to talk about, particularly as it relates to the industry's uh, use of antibiotics, because 18 months ago, um, we had these new veterinary feed directive rules kick in. Uh, From what I understand, the pork industry has done a good job of adjusting to them, but what's your take on it from a veterinarian?
1: Yeah, I think we've been really pleased that the rules have been well followed. The FDA worked with the industry to make sure that things were workable before they kicked in. Um, Obviously the pork board and and ASV and others in their outreach had producers ready. Um, The feed industry was ready. So we were ready when it happened. since then, we've been actually trying to find out what's the impact been, and so we've talked to veterinarians and producers about have there been negative animal health impacts.
0: And what have you been learning?
1: And what we've been learning is that because FDA recognized that the ability to prevent disease is essential for animal health, that they allowed those uses to be able to continue, and um, veterinarians have been very careful about making sure they've. Are focused on preventing a specific disease with the correct drug at the right duration and time, and that's really, I think, preserved animal health in this whole reduction of availability.
0: Now, let's talk about that a little bit because you know there are those on the consumer side of the industry and, and food service for that matter that would say, well, antibiotics shouldn't be used for prevention, or that's just a loophole for growth, growth promotion. Um, what? What is your take on that as a veterinarian?
1: Right, we've had advocacy groups, obviously, who have tried to um, cast aspersions on the new rule, saying it's really got this loophole because some of the prevention doses are very similar to what were used for growth promotion. Um, What our argument back to that is, we have veterinary oversight, we're focused on a specific disease in a group of animals known to be at risk. We were actually really pleased. I just came back from OIE, which is the World Animal Health Organization. Two weeks ago in Paris, they actually put together a set of definitions on antibiotics. And there was a lot of argument about what to call what, but they clearly have grouped disease treatment control and prevention Um, under one category and growth promotion under another category. Originally, the language was going to say therapeutic and non-therapeutic. There were some political concerns over that. So now OIE has prevention, control, and treatment lumped as veterinary medical uses and growth promotion is a non-veterinary medical use. So on the international stage, we're clearly showing that prevention is essential to animal health. Some might say, well,
0: you've got vaccines and there are other things you can do with the facilities to try to prevent disease. Antibiotics are important, but so important, should we really be using them for disease prevention?
1: We do have management things we can do to try to prevent exposure to disease. You know, not everything works perfectly. And so when I look at prevention, If you've got the herd history, you've got the known pathogen, you can come in and use a very targeted, likely smaller dose of antibiotics in a group of pigs to prevent disease, then you'd have to come back if they broke with disease and use higher doses, likely more important antibiotics, to treat those diseases. So the old saying
0: about an ounce of prevention being a pound of cure.
1: Absolutely, you know, prevention not only is, I think, good for helping us reduce resistance, it's also good for us in preserving animal welfare.
0: Let's talk about the implementation of the Veterinary Feed Directive uh, rules. I know that you said that it's been going well, but I've gotta believe that there have been a few hiccups along the way. What have you seen?
1: I think on the pig side, we've been pretty smooth. Um, There have been feed mills that weren't sure how to handle things. Overall, most of the communication was well done. We've seen a big number of our veterinarians go to electronic VFDs, and that process is very cut and dried. You can't put a drug or a dose in the electronic form that's not approved. So the feed mills don't have to be played cops. They don't have to be regulators to say, this is or isn't a a dose or a use you can put on on a vfd so i think that's been really important Um, we still hear that some of the smaller producers that don't necessarily have um, a veterinarian out every six months or have a small number of animals some of them have some challenges with with some of the feed medications
0: Uh, we know that fda is also sending auditors out in the field to make sure that the whole industry not just producers but Feed industry and vets are also complying with the new VFD rules. Uh, What have you been seeing in the pork industry?
1: We've asked FDA to share that information, either aggregated. We love to know if there are any gaps that we need to focus education on. We did get an initial list of the pilot program they ran at the beginning of last year, looking at swine um, feed mills, producers, and veterinarians There really weren't any any violations, and so you know we've been ASV has been working hard to make sure veterinarians have the proper paperwork. Um, the electronic um, VFDs has been pretty valuable for that as well. And so far, we're not hearing any um, any concerns from FDA over that.
0: Are we seeing any changes in health, the health status of the herd as a result of these new rules?
1: You know we've been asking as of yet we're not hearing anything again i think because fda allowed um, the use of prevention under veterinary oversight that those drugs that may have been used for growth promotion that were preventing disease can be relate, replaced by prevention for those same diseases
0: now the food service industry uh, has been pretty vocal about the way animals and poultry are being raised Uh, On the poultry side of the business, we now know that uh, 40% of the poultry is um, antibiotic-free, or at least raised without antibiotics. Uh, Is that creating more pressure on your industry?
1: There's always pressure. There's social pressures um, from many of the advocacy groups. Um, The pork industry's got a really good program of um, people who call on the retailers and restaurants, working through the process of um, Helping them understand that a 42-day-old chicken has less chance of being exposed to disease than a 190-day-old pig, and and so we've been working hard on that. We're also part of some groups that are working with advocacy groups and can, and some of our customers to try to help define stewardship and help us understand how we can demonstrate stewardship so that our customers can be comfortable. I mean, if we look at the PQA Plus program, it definitely has a focus on antibiotic stewardship. But now we need to say, how can we demonstrate to our customers that this is appropriate stewardship and that it's being complied with?
0: So do you think the FDA is content with the way the pork industry has responded to this? or? might there be some other rules or regulations coming down the pike?
1: I think that this was the first step of a multi-step process. We're definitely hearing signals from FDA that they intend to move um, boluses and injectable products that are medically important from over the counter to prescription only. So that will move then any of the medically important antibiotics, no matter what the dosage form is, to
0: being under veterinary oversight what should producers and veterinarians be doing to kind of protect themselves, uh, you know, as these new regulations come along?
1: Well, you know, obviously I might be a little bit biased, but definitely knowing the PQA plus responsible use guidelines. That addresses both the, um, how antibiotics should be used from a philosophical and stewardship point of view, as well as from a legal point of view. And then obviously having a valid veterinary client-patient relationship, making sure your veterinarian is comfortable with your herd health history, that you're doing proper diagnostics when needed, that um, everybody's got their paperwork in line. I mean, paperwork in line is, you know, I think a reason to do all sorts of good things with having your herd health program and having your strong veterinary client-patient relationship and also making sure you have a good relationship with your feed mill and feed suppliers.
0: And how will we know if this program has been successful?
1: You know, that's really hard to measure. And we've looked at FDA and USDA. USDA is doing what they call a a NOMS survey, National Animal Health Monitoring Survey. They did one last summer to try to understand um, antibiotic use in 2016 before the rule changed. They will do one probably next summer or into early 2020 to see if they can identify any changes. We're really encouraging producers to comply with that. Go ahead, it's going to take half an hour, an hour of your time, but that's data that really is going to help us demonstrate that the industry is doing the right thing.
0: So it'll be time well spent to try to preserve some of these tools that are so important.
1: Absolutely, you know, we need to be transparent. I think the pork industry's got a wonderful story to tell about the care we use around animal health products. And so we just need to be out, out front telling people what we do and why we do it.
0: Sounds like a good plan. Great. We've been talking to Dr. Liz Wagstrom. She's the Chief Veterinarian for National Pork Producers Council. Thanks again for coming by. Thank you, Joe.